I'm Phoebe Lover and this is Intellectual Property, a conversation series exploring the ideas and references that have shaped the minds of our world's most influential creative thinkers. Additional resources, including full transcripts, are available at i-p.world. This episode's guest is Naomi Shimada, a model and storyteller who has become widely known and loved for her evolved outlook on personal body image, her trademark honesty and authenticity, and her joyous and adventurous approach to life. I'm lucky enough to call Naomi a close friend, so this conversation is pretty informal, but insightful and informative all the same. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, here we go. Good morning, Naomi Shimada. Good morning, Phoebe Lovett. How are you doing today? I am great. What a joy it is to be here with you today on this beautiful, crispy New York morning. It is a beautiful golden morning, actually. This is my, I mean, summer obviously is always my favorite, but this is second favorite. I think that people enjoy the season that they were born in the most. Do you think that that's a true theory? You know what? I'd like to say yes, I am, I am born in the summer. But you love summer and you're not a summer baby. But I prefer autumn. Okay. Yeah. I feel much more myself in this time of year than I do in the summer, as much as I love summer. As much as you thrive on the Rockaways. (laughs) (laughs) I get my life on Rockaway (laughs) Anyway, we could digress there. So would you mind introducing yourself and sort of letting us know what it is you do in this world? Sure. I mean, who knows? Who knows what what we're all doing <laughs> here? Throw you into an existential, <laughs> existential crisis. Um, my name's Naomi Shimada. I was born in Tokyo, Japan. I live in London at the moment, but I know Phoebe because we've been in the trenches together, setting up in new cities around the world. I've been working as a model for the last fifteen years of my life, longer than I've done anything else, longer than I've been in school. But in the last 10 years, I've been working as an advocate within the modeling industry, talking, complaining, shouting about the lack of diversity in the fashion industry. I'm moving into writing and I'm starting to do more TV and I just have a brand new radio show, actually. Oh, exclusive. <laughs> in on, London. On platform. It's on Foundation. So it's a brand new radio station in London. There set up in Peckham Levels, actually, and it's founded by um, four women from different parts of the industry. That's because all those radio stations have always been such boys' clubs, you know, as you know, for better or for worse. Mm. Sometimes for worse. I think curation has so much to do with, you know, you can get women to front shows, but, like, a lot of those stations are run by men who can't even speak to women, you know, so it's just, like, it's not only going to be female-focused, but I think it just gives it a different underlying tone of like what are we about what's the like you know the communal message we're putting out so i have a monthly new show exciting i do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and you know navigating the whole new world of how we get paid these days yeah it's a confusing world to navigate at times yeah because it's new for everybody it's new for everybody indeed and so one of the things that i wanted to do with this kind of podcast format is explore some of the foundations that have led people who are navigating this world to 
what's informed them and kind of their worldviews and and like mm-hmm. you said you've been modeling long longer than you're in school and I know that you kind of had quite an unusual upbringing in terms of living in a bunch of different places mm-hmm. so I just wanted to speak to you a bit about some of the things that have informed your outlook on the world mm-hmm. Miss World Miss World as your tattoo reads Miss um, World where yes. did you go to school what was I like? started school in Japan so I was in a Japanese school initially and then I did kindergarten, middle school, elementary, some of high school, and I left Japan just before my 12th birthday. And moved to? And moved to Spain, where I went to a Spanish-English bilingual school. That must have been a big transition. It really was, actually. You know, especially at that age when you're kind of just finally set up. you got your friends and your community, and I'd lived in Japan my whole life. And my father passed away when I was 10, and it had a huge impact on my life, but... I mean, up till now, every damn day, but it also changed my life geographically, which is why we also moved to Spain. So I think we were navigating not just like a whole new culture, a whole new country, a whole new continent, but also a whole new family dynamic Mm. of life also without my father. And Mm -hmm. like, so I I think it was a lot of navigating for all of us, to be honest. But I think sometimes... I don't really know because that, you know, I've never lost the love of my life, but I think for my mother, she just wanted a fresh start. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes you don't want to live in those apartments that you've gone through breakups in. You don't want to live in the same neighborhoods. You don't want to live in... It was difficult because at the same time, we, you know, I am so grateful to her. I speak fluent Spanish. I can go to so many places in the world and just like slip in. You know, that has helped me, benefited me in a priceless way because it's helped me be able to connect with so many people. It's helped me be comfortable anywhere, just like being a part of a different culture. And as well, because it was so different to growing up in a Japanese one, it was like, it was so funny. Even when I got there, I was like, why is everything closed all the time? In, <laughs> like in, in Spain. Yeah. yeah, it's literally like the opposite kind of values. Yeah, like why are people taking naps? Right, <laughs> like, right, right, yeah. It, 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 was, it was a forced balance. And also learning how to completely adapt to new things and still to this day speaking Spanish is a huge part of who I am you know I try and speak it every day and like what do you see as your first language English yeah Japanese and then Spanish Japanese before Spanish Mm -hmm. well actually but now it's predominantly English and Spanish just because those are the ones you use the most yeah because they're used the ones I use the most but like at my core I'm still I feel still very Japanese but do you, yeah, do you feel like you have different identities when you speak different languages? 100%. That's so interesting. Uh-huh. How does that work for you? Like, how do you feel when you're Japanese versus when you're Spanish? Um, or when you're speaking I Japanese mean, versus I do take, Spanish? I do feel like I have different identities, but at the same time, I feel like they're all a part of me. So mm-hmm. they just like... Also, just in Japanese culture, growing up, especially as a girl, you're taught to like kawaii culture of like women to be seen as beautiful you need to be seen as cute right so I feel like my body language probably changes a little bit like my tone like how I use words because it's just in me that aspect of like gotta be cute gotta be cute you know so but I feel like they're all equally a part of me so we just like flex differently Speaking Spanish is just comforting to me. It reminds me of being like young and like learning all these new things. And like it reminds me of coming home. Yeah. So even when I moved to New York, the fact that I got to do that every day, I was like, 
was such a big incentive for me to stay here mm. and be here because that also wasn't something I felt like. I mean, there's a lot of Spanish people in London, but I'd never really experienced like Latin culture no, living so amongst like, you know, no. Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, mm-hmm. Cubans, yeah. Colombians, like living amongst, like especially in the neighborhoods I was living in in New York. Like yeah. I always had Hispanic neighbors. Being able to have that exchange felt so rich to me. And I think a lot of the times we do live in these cities and we talk about a lot how we think of success and happiness, what that looks like. And I think the older we get, we want to be, cha- we challenge that more because we like suddenly have the things that we supposedly told that we should be yearning after or, and you realize those aren't the things that are making you happy. And like for me, those exchanges with people are the richness of life. Nothing replaces how they make me feel or, or the, my never-ending source of inspiration, too. You know, like, I want all my work going forward to be about people and curiosity and what are the things that bring us together, what are the things that set us apart, like, that idea, ideas of belonging, you know? And for me, the street is the biggest inspiration. Yeah. And for that, New York always had that for me in abundance. Yeah, yeah, because we've talked about, you know, having... St- issues with New York as a city but I think the thing that we fundamentally we connect on our love for it through and I feel exactly the same way I feel like the humanity of New York because it's so dense it's so diverse it's such a but also the fact that we walk everywhere we take the subway and there's this like you know these egalitarian spaces that we were forced we're forced to share yeah through lack of space through through just because we have to, yeah. you know, which city, there's a lot of other cities that, for example, LA or whatever, that it's more difficult to do that in. Right, I mean, LA is an incredibly culturally rich city, of course, but it's harder to It's feel just that. harder, yeah. You don't feel it, you don't It's definitely it there. It's there for but sure. But it's, it's, it's just a little bit harder to navigate. Absolutely. So just to rewind a little bit, so you you were in Spain from 12 until how old? To 18, 19, and then I've been on and off and I moved to the UK when I finished school to model. And I've been there on and off ever since. Like I moved, actually, I was there solidly till 25, moved here for almost four years to New York. Really? Where we are now, three and a half, three and a half, four years, yeah. And then moved back to London. And so I'm in London right now. But you you're not English on any level? No, I am. My grandmother is, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. My grandmother's English, Irish, and French. Yeah, I moved there to model, but also, like, at the time, the economy in Spain was, like, off. All young people have been, like, leaving for a long... Spain yeah. for a long time, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Especially, like, after the, the recent kind of depression that they've just gone through. And it was always seen as we had to figure out somewhere else to go afterwards mm-hmm. um, a lot of people from my school also went to England for like university that was initially my intention yeah I was going to say had yeah. you considered alternative career paths and presumably you yeah had, when you were 15 you didn't know you were going to be able to model <clears throat> presumably but when you were at school like what did you enjoy and what did you envision yourself doing I was actually really into school I loved school like where I thrived the most was probably languages, English, history, things I didn't, wasn't good at, still not good at, math, sciences, etc. My grandfather was, was like a big math professor, but you know, I didn't get the strain. <laughs> but I really loved school, you know, I've always been a curious person and school was good for me. But I think also like at 18, I also didn't know what I wanted to do, which now I'm like of course you didn't know what you wanted to do but like that idea of having to choose like I didn't qualify for student loans in the UK yeah like I could get I mean this is back in the day guys when university cost 1,050 pounds a year 
I'm going to cast, cast everyone's mind back to a time yeah. where that was real. So I could get my academics paid for, but not my living costs. So yeah. whatever I wanted to... And it was well, as well, I was like, I can only live in London. I wasn't like, yeah. I'm going to go live in yeah. Sheffield. It's, or, no shade. Sh- no, no shade. shade. No shade no to Sheffield. But like I had my eye on wanting yeah. to be in London. Yeah. And like, you know, because I'd been a city girl, then left and gone to... Was living in the south of Spain. So I was like ready to be back in that city mode, you know? So like... And everything I wanted to do, I wanted to do, like, a bit. I was not, yeah. like, 100% sold on anything. My UCAS application letter was like, I would like to do. I mean, <laughs> I only just found out now that apparently you can write different ones. Like, literally, my letter was like, I'd like to do history, English, journalism, <laughs> All this, that, 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 because dot, 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 dot. Like, you know, the state of my mind was like, I just didn't know. Which now when I look at 18-year-olds, I'm like... Of course, baby, you don't know. Like, you have you have no context. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, like, whatever I would want to do, like, I would have had to take, like, work two jobs to do, and I just couldn't commit because, yeah. to me, I just wasn't ready to do that for something I wasn't sure I wanted to do. So right. I took some time off, and then I was kind of working and in that stream of work. So, I mean, there's so much more to say in the in-between of what I was doing. I was yeah. like... I worked for one of the biggest promoters in the UK now. Like, he does, like, every festival in the world almost. You know, but at the time, he was setting up the Warehouse Project. And, like, I worked on loads of, like, music things. I worked at a record label in my in-between times. You know, modeling is kind of a weird thing of, like, once you're in the rat race, you're kind of in it. Because, you know, at the same time, you, there's nothing you can really make as much money in the little amount of time you actually are on set but then the time going to castings taking care of yourself like meeting clients all setting working on your book like all those things it is a full-time job but you know it's like a drug you know like you won't work for like seven months and then you'll work once and then you know so it's Mm -hmm. like and to be honest more than money I always favored the freedom of being able to have a different day all the time you know and also being in charge of my own schedule if I wanted to take two months like like two weeks off a month off to disappear somewhere like to me that was just it was more important than money mm-hmm. like having that flexibility yeah. to be able to do what I wanted with my life like you know I was never die hard wanting to be some kind of supermodel I was just like I like my time this is how I value my life, like the richness I have in between and to be able to be in charge of my own schedule. Like, this is what works for me yeah. right now, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think back after all this time, I'm like, damn. You know, I always had a lot of responsibilities to my family, to, you know, to other people that, like, I was always like, I wish I would have saved more money by now. Like, what have you got to show for it? Like, I, you know, those used to be the voices inside my head, but, like, or, like, I, did, I hadn't necessarily hit those, like, you haven't been on the cover of Vogue, you haven't done this, you haven't done that. But actually, like, I'm like, who cares? Like, I don't really care about it anymore like that because, like, it's so hard to think of yourself as, like, having an impact. But, I, you know, I've received, like, the craziest messages from people from all around the world saying that, you know, they, they felt better in their body since they found me or you know I gave them the confidence to do something and you know something they couldn't do before or put on a bathing suit and take their kids swimming like you know like when you get so many of them too it's kind of overwhelming because you're like this isn't necessarily the position you've ever aimed to put you don't put yourself there do you know what I mean it's like reframing how we think of like that now seems like a bigger change to me like that feels like more impactful than like 
who looks at those covers sometimes and feels good about them? Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, you know what? If you made five people feel better in the bodies that they walk in every day, like, or one person even, like, that's great. Like, you know, that's made a huge difference to someone's life, you know? And like, I just look at these things a little bit differently now, even though that wasn't what I primarily set out to do because I didn't even set out to do that for myself, you know? And did you... I mean, obviously, a lot of that transition that you made in yourself, and you've talked a lot about your journey from being a, how do you call it, a straight size, size model, awful yeah, terminology, yeah. but that's what yeah, it is, yeah. right, to being whatever whatever you're considered to be now, again, like, let's not even put labels on it, but you're a non-conventional model, and, like, yeah. presumably a lot of that transition happened through, like, life experience. I'm kind of interested in any references, you know, the reading you've done, and, like, as you said, a lot of your work now is sort of it's much more centered in like activism and and like what are your references for that it is but also i have a funny relationship to that word of activism because i feel like i don't necessarily feel like i'm being an activist in any way Mm -hmm. i just feel like i'm openly discussing things that i feel about but i don't feel like i'm on any kind of front line Mm -hmm. and i think we use that word almost too casually now you know that i I feel like what are you activating what are you influencing like Mm -hmm especially those two words when something becomes such a buzzword do they start to mean nothing you know and like I feel like it's it's almost disrespectful to the people who have come before us like who have literally fought for our rights to be able to live the way we live now Mm -hmm. you know so um you know I understand that I think for my references a lot of it comes from myself Mm -hmm. of figuring out things that just didn't work for me or didn't feel good anymore and also searching for things also all my job what I do now what I've been doing like hasn't existed before Mm -hmm. so when people want to talk to me about who paved the way who are the inspirations who are they it's definitely like I feel like I had to also dig a lot deeper into myself to be able to honestly admit to myself what I didn't want to be or didn't want to do anymore but it's so based on such instinct I have to say of Mm. just like I don't see it so Mm. maybe I have to be that version Mm -hmm. or like step into that Mm -hmm. because like I don't see who I want to be seeing like Mm -hmm. so much of of everything I do comes from that but like in terms of like references and reading like I guess I've only been really doing that in the last few years of actually having like reading context to how I've been feeling you know whether it's Bell Hooks's new visions or you know like thinking about what radical love looks like out in the real world yeah. for ourselves, for others, what that means in, in, more, in practice, mm. how we practice compassion in real life. Just to revisit what radical love, like what, when you use that term, like what does that mean for you? When we live by love first, you know, like for me, it's me being kind to myself and thus being able to be kind to others. Mm-hmm. Forgiving myself, for things I don't have to be sorry for, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm always, like, apologizing for my existence when we don't have to actually be apologizing for our existence, mm-hmm. you know? So I think by me figuring out that relationship to myself, being able to make decisions from a better place mm-hmm. and also narrow down my relationship, like, who do I want to be spending time with? Does this mm-hmm. feel good? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to be putting my energy? I think, like, when you are able to find more balance within yourself, then it leaves you in a better position to be making choices of how you want to be spending your time, whether that's work, whether that's friendships, 
leisure, like everything, you know? Mm. I feel a lot more whole right now than, than I used to. And again, I understand very much what you're saying. And it, mm-hmm. of course, it's almost a, a moot point to sort of like push this because I know so much of it is just about self-inquiry and, and almost doing nothing. But have you read I know that like when I'm trying to go, go through things like this, certain things I read, even music that I listen yeah, to, yeah, places yeah, I go yeah. to are like I have things that I find help me navigate it yeah like for example definitely but but reading like you know what for me majorly it's podcasts because honestly when I'm in I'm just like when I'm in in not a good place I find reading even difficult yeah I mean for me definitely when it comes to work like books like the beauty myth like books like vagina by Naomi Wolf like there's loads of heavy theoretical books yeah. that have given me context to my work exactly. but they don't necessarily make me feel better do you know what I mean yeah. I love like I have to say on being with Krista Tippett oh. is like honestly like life-changing it's amazing like I love Krista if you're listening Krista <laughs> we love you no because I feel like being able to hear experience being able to hear emotion in someone's voice being able to hear like wisdom wisdom. but like you know just that relatability when you hear pain in someone's voice yeah or like something that they've gone through in their voice like I feel like there's just something about listening to that that gives you hope absolutely and you're like also remind you like oh actually everyone goes through stuff like this is and you know the human experience not only goes through stuff but goes through the same stuff you feel like you're having these incredibly specific personal emotions and then you read something that was written like like I read a lot of ancient philosophy at the moment and because the human experience and the human condition has like kind of come with the same struggles since forever since forever. it's like and it's I not all about you babes yeah <laughs> like get over yourself <laughs> just, you're not like the deepest thinker on earth babes like in terms of practicality and tangibility like yeah. that that of immediate effect honestly I've this year especially I found podcasts really helpful <laughs> right yeah I often I like listening to podcasts as well when I can't read and then vice versa sometimes I don't want to listen to people's voices because it is much more emotive and like closer and sometimes you don't really want it's like being in a room with someone you know you've got to be careful with the energy dance has been a big thing for you I think as well yeah huge yeah. I think like in a world where we're, we've never spent more time on our phones and on our computers and not actually looking at each other not touching each other you know on average the human being needs seven hugs a day to feel good damn I'm like like seven real hugs deficit yeah totally <laughs> you know we're not to be touched to touch like is an important thing yeah that we're not doing yeah nearly enough of you know honestly when I hug people I try and like hug them yeah I like sink into it you know force them to force I've I have had friends before I mean I have friends now that you know they're they're into hugging now but they were not before you know you've taught them about hugs yeah my friend said to me the other day she was like I nearly burst into tears she was like you know what I realized through hugging you like I've never been hugged properly in my whole life (gasps) And I was literally like, <laughs> you know, let's just like sit for a sec, you know, like, why are we rushing? Like, let's just hug for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, so nice to just sit and have a hug, isn't it? Oh Yeah, but like, you know, so physicality, like, you know, dance is like using your body for something that yeah. puts you back into your body, you know? And like, also it's been like something that's very meditative for me that those two hours or however long I go for, like, 
you can't do anything else. Like, this is it. If you want to commit to it, you have to stop thinking about all the other shit that's going on. Like, that's the thing with choreography. Like, you got to concentrate. So, like, it's the one time I just turn my phone off. Present. I walk into the space. you got to be present. Yeah. It forces you to be present in a way that, like, when I go to yoga or when I, you know, it's just like I'm literally there still. I feel like I'm suddenly in a prison of my thoughts. Like, I don't, yeah. I can't go and chill there. I'm literally like, you know yeah I know that I think a lot of people don't like yoga for that reason but I kind of maybe this is reflective of my masochistic streak but I like it for that reason I like going in and being like okay you're gonna have to be in your head now for an hour and a half or however long it is go (laughs) because sitting with your thoughts is like the hardest thing but you know you know for me it was also an interesting way of growing my practice evolving my work without even thinking about it because like I've been talking about the body what for a really long time you mm. know how to have healthy relationships to it mm. how we use it how we learn to be comfortable within it so like mm. before I knew it kind of just even posting like initial dance videos when I started years ago it really has become a part of my practice and part of my work because it allowed me to be able to speak about using the body in a different way yeah and explore what being in my body meant to me showing it more than just in a photograph or in a campaign like what it looks like for the body to be out in the world yeah and how we use it in a non-sexual context Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about female sexuality I feel like outside of like pure actual like sexual penetration you know Mm -hmm. like you know what is it good for like you know it's actually good for all of these things and this is how we express it and to be able to see express ourselves in safe spaces that aren't out here in the rest of the world and also how much like dancing is I see it now as a real act of resistance out in the world you know it brings joy you connect with people dance floors like using the body in this way like I see you come alive in a way that you're like a different person on the dance floor yeah yeah you're like a different person. I see. I see you so much, so happy when you're dancing. It's my like one of my purest joys. In exactly. Life. Yeah. You know, it's such a pure joy and it's such a liberation. Yeah. I feel like to do it, especially as we get older. Like obviously, we still have the party in us, but we we're not going out every night like we used to. You yeah. know. Also, to be able to explore that on a day to day basis without having to be at a party, without having to drink alcohol, without. And also remember why we like to do it in the first place, yeah. you know? And that's something we do for us. Yeah, your dance studio is just open in New York. You yeah, know? I yeah. know. I didn't make it. Shout out point. to At Your Beat. At Your Beat, thanks for coming Downtown. to Downtown. Because, I, like many people, I've watched your videos and, and especially as you say, me being like, I'm really, I love to dance as well, but I, I've never found an outlet for it outside of the club. Yeah, exactly. Which is one of the main reasons I, I think. And, like, and I think it's also. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean, like, I just want you to do it because, like, I no, know it makes you happy. Yeah, I will do it. I'm absolutely going to do it. But the it. first step is, it feels, like, daunting to go to class. Also. Oh, no, I'm, I, I mean, I used to go to performing arts school, so I'm comfortable with it, but I'm sure a lot of people would feel like they can't keep up, and I'm like, it's not really about that, but... <laughs> But I've, when I watch, like, many of your fans, and I do very much count myself as one of your fans, I've watched those videos, and I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could do this. And I even looked, like, a lot. I know a lot of people have, off the back of watching your videos, looked for places. Yeah. And literally, that your studio just opened a few weeks ago, and I remember finding it on my ClassPass app and being like, what? Yeah. So that's an amazing... Because I think there's also something interesting about me documenting my journey with dance. Yeah. Because I think, like... I had danced as a kid, but not, like, danced in class for a really long yeah. time. 
And I think there's something fascinating about watching because, you know, some of those videos get so many hits. Like yeah. I've had ones where it's like 30,000, 50,000 views, you yeah. know, and it's like I think there's something fascinating about watching someone who isn't a professional mm-hmm. as well. There's mm-hmm. something like about watching that journey, about watching what that freedom actually like looks like. I mean, it is pure joy. Like I think like a lot of people, I watch it mostly just because I vicariously feel your joy from the how happy you are doing that. And it's something I do like for me, which also like has cleared my head more than anything. Mm-hmm. But I've also like found a way to express myself. It's changed my work. It's actually changed my jobs. Like all the big jobs I did last year, like for better or worse, no, had I dancing mean, no, no. in it. Which I used to get really mad. I still get mad about because I'm like, listen, that's a different thing. Yeah. I need to be told if yeah. this is what you're looking for because like, it's like a performance uh, and like, like everyone just jump on, on it everything like a year shit. of the the trendy thing this year yeah. or whatever you know yeah, and as well it's also like that's commoditizing the thing that you do as a person like I'm not a dancer do you know what I yeah. mean this is what I do for myself for fun yeah. Yeah. yeah and like for my my well-being which is one of the unfortunate things the times we're living you try to share something for Mm-hmm. whatever reason you felt uh, compelled to share it and then someone's like mm, this looks commercially viable <laughs> yeah <laughs> great activity <laughs> great engagement this is uh, one of my friends here actually just a complete tangent but is um she's like she's a dancer and a choreographer and her job now is purely choreography choreographing for fashion shoots and she i'm like so oh totally the movement directors yeah i've never yeah. met someone who does this and she's like well it's only really quite recently yeah. that brands have realized how great movement looks on camera and obviously as the shift of video happens people are like anyway totally no exactly it's very interesting to me that you've learned so much through a, a physical practice mm-hmm. you know that, that like you say this has really informed your work and this is the kind of thing that i'm interested in is like most people would never think oh that a physical practice could become a tool of of education and personal development but for you it seems to be the biggest thing that's happened in your life in the last yeah year. totally but i couldn't have known the effect it was going to have or I couldn't have that's why you just have to keep trying new things, things you know because yeah. and tr- stay curious and stay yeah. and educate yourself for you yeah. whatever that is like try those things that you've always wanted to try yeah. because something could something really be coming yeah. out of that yeah. because that's the only way you know mm. that's the only natural and and as well you can't premeditate any of these things mm. if you want to be happy in your job or like you know and happy in your life you got to do the things that make you happy to yeah. equate that happiness. Yeah. You know, it seems like such a basic thing, but, but it's like so often it's so often ignored. Like yeah. what are the things that make you feel good? Yeah. What are the things that honestly, just for me to be able to like jump out of bed on the weekend, I like not be social in the evenings anymore. Like dancing takes a priority in my life. I'm going to catch that earlier flight so I can get home so I can go to class in the morning or like I'm going to do, the, you How know, often do you go? It depends because of my schedule varies so much. But, you know, if I'm at home, I'll go like three, four times a week. Wow. If I can. You know, and also I do realize that I'm also in the financial position to be able to be doing this much. But I just mean like, you know, but I also, if I can't, then I'll do it at home. Yeah. Or, you know, just like, actually, you know what? I might not be learning a routine, but like, honestly, you're blasting music in your house. Like, it's going to make you feel good. Like, dancing around your room. Blasting um it just depends how I'm feeling that day to be honest it could be like if I'm a bit like emo and having like a could be like a cumbia moment of or I need a little light 
pick me up. Yeah. Then if I'm like ready to turn up, it might be a little Afrobeat moment, yeah. a little dancehall moment. Yeah. But you know, it's like private to me and like yes. no one can take that away from me. No. You know? Which is a beautiful thing about Dotsies. You can just put some music on and and change your day. Like, you know, I, I music it. is such a, Yeah, well. you know what? I listen to music all day. Yeah. All day, every day, and it's such a big part of who I am and like enhances my mood to like every level and almost to the point where I'm like missing out on podcasts because like I'm putting music first sometimes and I'm like you're not listening you know but then I (laughs) thank all the musicians in the world in my head every day I'm so glad you can do this I mean aside from dancing I'd say music is my purest joy and it's kind of interesting because I'm quite a heady person as in I'm in my head a lot and like I feel a lot of my a lot of my work and my skills are kind of rooted in like cerebral wordy things and I think there's what you're saying about the importance of reconnecting to the body and how much that's missing and bereft in our culture and and how that's leaving us all with these blind spots in terms of how we experience being in the world you can only you can only know so much in your head yeah totally but also going back to how it ties into my work like I've been able to explore talking about how you know because I've been talking about body image for so long and I think as well we're always talking about what the body looks like instead of what it feels like and your bodies feel good when they're moving yeah and I think so much about replacing that hatred we have for our bodies that actually do so much for us is seeing them in practice and seeing them do stuff and then you know having endorphins run through your body and like oh my god I feel good you know like my body feels good you know so now it's being able to give practical advice and practical context to how to make people feel better in their bodies instead of it just being like a think piece those images are airbrushed like we all know that do you know what I mean but they still cultivate that Mm self-hatred even though we we have the facts and research Mm -hmm. but like because we're inundated with 5,000 images a day on Mm -hmm. the daily like I think being in our bodies and doing these kinds of activities with them like is a real way of being able to create healthy relationships to them yeah I couldn't repeat myself in interviews anymore Phoebe you know I don't want to talk about like I don't think of myself as a plus size model I get interview requests every single day still with the same topics and I'm like guys I've moved on what do you want to talk about now this feels good to me because it's it's tangible it's real like you can step outside your door or go back in your bedroom and like we can do what we're talking about right now you know you can like skip around the block you can like go to a class you can go to a party like remember what the body does for us Mm -hmm. it's such a big part of that healing process I think and how to be kinder to it when you're like oh my god like you walked 10ks today like your body does a lot like let's not hate on it all the time you know like it's a complicated beautiful machine and I think we take it for granted a lot I mean like like you said when you go through injuries yeah when it doesn't work properly anymore you're like actually I'm sorry I've been so mean to you oh my god yeah like I used to be able to get up the stairs and now I can't right now and you're like being able to sit up and yeah reach for something drink water yeah and you're like wow everything else really seems to be so petty then because you're just like it is once like having the back injuries that I've had this year you know you're like god like not only your own experience but like there are so many people in this world who are not able-bodied of course and 
having a, some sort of even a small understanding of what their experience of life is like is really it's just important yeah i mean so this is definitely one one of the things i want to talk about i just want to stay curious you know there's so many other things that i'm interested in as a person and i hope i'll always stay that way and like people the traveling the stories that i find you know the that's what I want to keep exploring. Where do you think that your curiosity is going to take you next? I mean, I'd really like to do more work in Japan because I think Japan always gets talked about in such a fetishistic manner to me. Of like, yeah. Japan, it's such a cool I'm place. I'm a Japanophile. Yeah, it's so cute. Oh my God, I'm obsessed with Japan. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, you know, I can hardly ever describe to people where I'm from without it coming with this the like the usual like japan i've always wanted to go there which is like totally cool i'm like and people should go there and i understand why it is but you know there's so many kind of deeply layered cultural social intricacies that have not been explored that also like have its own problems you know whether they're generational racial like there's so many you know we have like talk about or gender politics like you know the body you know it's been voted like one of the worst first world countries to be a mother in and that hasn't changed for the last however many years there's a lot that i would like to speak about as someone that understands both ends of the spectrum yeah like it's still so conservative Mm. but you know like even some of my family are, but I really experienced both of it. Mm. So I would like to do a lot more work there when it comes to telling stories and doing more research because I think a lot of it, you know, especially when it comes to people not really being in relationships anymore, people not having sex anymore, like letting work and technology take precedent. I think that is, it's an eye view into what's starting to happen all over the world. So exploring that there as almost like looking into the future of what's starting to happen because like the internet is creating like equal ground everywhere because mm. we're experiencing things at the same time and seeing things at yeah. the same time yeah i would love to do more research yeah there. i mean i think that's really you uh, know what it really means to be a woman there yeah especially because and also like you i don't want to do specifically just gendered work anymore yeah. either yeah. but i think just specifically in japan as the birth rate is disappearing yeah and, and, and then the sex people aren't having sex there. or they just describe it in japanese it's called they say it's menlokusai which translates to i can't be bothered to have sex yeah to, with all of it for connection to be a human. for a connection and yeah. replacing capitalism over connection money and things which is happening everywhere mm. you know everyone's on their phones looking at other shit of what other people have they're not connecting because they're on their phones and thus the cycle is like totally but you know it's cool at least we're having these conversations and trying to remind each other you know like i love stuff too you know like i love a look i love a great handbag you know i'm part of the problem too but also like being able to pull yourself out and be like damn man like let's sometimes have these little reminders to ourselves of like what actually is important, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be taking out a loan for a Louis Vuitton handbag, which is, like, what people do in Japan all the time, okay? They do. Like, yeah, totally. It's, like, part of the culture, you right. know? So I think there's so many interesting things happening there that I would love to explore, as well as so many other places, but I guess it's just, like, on my mind at the moment. And can you just, before we, we round this out, tell us a little bit about your book and what we can expect from it? I've just signed a deal to write a book about how we look at different things like how our work has changed, how we think about love, relationships, friendships, how we think about sex, 
and how we think about mental health in a post like internet world you know how social media has changed the way we think about these subjects mm-hmm. and it's funny because I just have to like write my quote for the announcement mm. today so I've been thinking about it today of like actually because it's been such a long process for the last year and a half the book ideas really evolved I originally got asked to write it as a memoir and I worked on that for a few months and I was like oh my god I just don't want to only talk about myself yeah. I was like uh, uh, yeah. oh my god no <laughs> all the alarm bells went off and like I'm now working on the book as a project with my friend Sarah Raphael she's the editor at large at Refinery in the UK so I'm kind of like front-end media she's like back-end media but you know exploring how the internet has affected both of our lives mm-hmm. there is a lot of personal experience in it you know and then, but then we interview other people on how they cope. And I think for both of us, the problem with the internet, I mean, for all of us, is mm-hmm. that the pros and cons are almost equal, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be sat with you doing this. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't be in the positions that we are. I built my own ecosystem, my own career mm-hmm. independently because yeah, of it. Same. Exactly. You know, it's taken a lot of the, the gatekeepers that used to hold all the power. It's kind of taken that aspect a way that we've been able to build up our own ourselves you know but now even the fact that we think we have to think of ourselves as brands like you know you know the way we date the way we it's so it's just being able to share experience it's not necessarily about having the right answers but just people feeling less alone yeah. in their own isolated experiences like what we're saying it's like everyone's going through it. everyone's going through it for me it's like a longer form reply to everyone who has written to me over the years like people have shared such deep experiences with me and just for me to be able to sit down and like reply to them by also contextualizing my thoughts in a Mm -hmm. way that Mm -hmm. is more concise yeah you know we're trying to make it really beautiful we're just we're interviewing all kinds of people and just like sharing creating a space for people to be vulnerable and also take away that mystique of thinking I think the problem with social media is that we forget that it's a curated version of other people's lives or all of our lives you know like definitely mine does feel authentic to me but it's also like my work you know so I think and it's authentic to one side of your life to one side of my life and I think it's if anything I just want to take away the pedestals that we put each other on yeah because I think so much of that anxiety is induced by that of like (laughs) 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 thinking that everyone has it figured out except you and it's just a complete fallacy yeah like no one does and I think the more we just talk about that and be like, oh my God, I'm but you know, like we, we're not making mistakes because we're learning, you know, like it's fine. Like yeah. we're just trying different things out and that's how life is, mm-hmm. you know? So I think if anything, I want it to be just a reminder of that, yeah. of like the good, the bad, the ugly, the lols, the everything else in between and just been like, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. If people just walk away from it feeling like, oh, I'm not alone and this is interesting and then I'm happy with what we're doing with it you know like I don't want it to be some anything that makes it sound like we have it all figured out because I think that's the whole point of it like we can't yeah and just also just tailoring just like how we use it and on our relationships to it I just I'm curious to know what people's experiences are and just to close out with a, a big question not to put it on the spot but like what what do you feel like is one of the most important lessons that you've learned in life today or even just something that is really essential for you right now in the way that you're living a key learning to trust in the journey I think as a society we're so conditioned to to have like beginning middle end results you know <laughs> but we really are right. like and 
all the best things just are anything to do with that. And as well, we can't, we just can't plan our lives out like that. You know, the idea of like five-year plans. And I've always been a bit adverse to that because like it just didn't fit into it just didn't fit into my life and I was like wow you know I'm not an organized person like you know these like goal orientated like I think it's healthy to have things that you want yeah but also figure out what is it that you want to be feeling and how mm-hmm. those things I think we should be questioning what success and happiness actually looks like and not just be following the narratives that are sold to us it's like this is what it looks like this a healthy bank account a nice house and a big ass diamond on your finger yeah. and like a big job title or you know like I think especially with the way that we look at our lives each other's lives on the internet it's like easy to forget that there's so much else going on in between those experiences and the complexities of being human are also the most beautiful things going through stuff makes you beautiful people I magnet towards we've all had struggles Mm -hmm. that's why we're friends that's why we relate to each other and I feel like don't feel bad about yourself because you're having a hard time. Change is uncomfortable. You know, you're shedding skin. Yeah. You know, you're shedding skin. And that's just like what we do as people. And I feel like, I think we just need to remind ourselves that that's okay. And that's how we figure out. It's like trying shoes, you know, that's how we figure out what's not right for us. Trust your gut. I think, you know, as humans, we're born with such strong natural instinct, mm-hmm. but we're conditioned to not listen to it. Mm-hmm. We're taught to follow this narrative, you know, through our education, our families, societal constructs of like to do things according to plan. It's interesting. I've always thought I was a person that didn't really follow the rules. But now, like, especially because of like recent happenings, I'm really putting that to the test. Like, okay, is this what you're actually about as a person? I think you are. And I love you for it. Thank you. And I'm glad to know. Thank Thank you. you. Of course.